Hungry. Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Morning Dinner Podcast. It's your boy, Keem. And Chuck, what up? And we host the Morning Dinner Podcast, which is a podcast based out of Las Vegas, where we sit down and have conversations with local entrepreneurs, creators, and hustlers. And today we got David Ferris in the house. Yeah. What up, David? What's, what's going good, on? What's uh, done? So I know you from Instagram as a as a digital marketing, marketing and advertising guru, and you currently work for Planet 13, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Can you let the people know just real quick, a little quick brief bio about yourself of who you are and what you do and what your day-to-day kind of you know entails? Yeah. So I'm the director of marketing. At Planet 13, so um, that entails uh, managing all platforms, um, advertising initiatives for Planet 13, uh, Medizen, and Trendy. Um, those are three brands that we operate right now, um, and focused on really growing those brands to to be the leaders in the industry. Mm, so you so you handle all the marketing and advertising, right? Yep. How long have you been doing that for? I've uh, been with the company for three years, um, came on as a marketing coordinator yeah. with, the, with the initial pitch, said, hey, let me run your uh, social media f- and uh, and grow the brand a little bit, um, transitioned to the GM for a while, and then went back to um, more of a marketing perspective, because I, I knew that that's what I loved, and I started uh, dabbling more design, um, developing logos, developing graphics, and... and okay, so, so you're savvy... You're kind of savvy in the whole uh, Photoshop. In the creative field, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I did the, I designed the logos for Plan 13, Medicine, Trendy. Um, oh, damn. Really all the branding, the um, the art direction for, for all those brands. Do, do you think that having kind of like a background in Photoshop and all that stuff kind of helped you gain an edge in, in marketing and advertising because you kind of know a little bit more what to look for? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's a lot of time when, when you're, when you're sitting behind a desk and you know where you want to be, mm-hmm. but, but you don't understand how to get there. Yep. And so, um, I, I've taught myself really everything I, I know, like I never, I went to school for marketing, mm-hmm. but the the way they do it is, it's kind of like, okay, you develop this idea, you develop a strategy, you develop a plan, mm-hmm. and then you hand it off to someone to create that flyer for you or create this graphic for you. And I was, to me, that was a head scratcher. I'm like, what, who's going to, you can't rely on someone else to do that for you. Right. Especially if you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times you do all this yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, while I was going to school and, uh, working and my free time, I was always learning graphic design and developing it. Um, then here we are. Is that like right away when you went to, uh, college or was that in high school when you started messing with Photoshop and all that around sophomore in in college? Um, I was, uh, I'm really into sports as well. So mm-hmm. I was a, I was a, a supervisor um, at the at UNR up in Northern Nevada um, for their um, their recreational gym. And so I ran um, a lot of their intramural sports and, and things of that nature. And I kept saying, hey, these students don't know that we're, we have these football leagues and we have this going on or this. We need to do a better job at telling them we need to get our name out there. Mm. So I was like, hey, can I spend a few hours instead of like being on the field, helping train people how to referee or make sure sports go well. Can I just sit in the office and like work on some graphics and like, okay, sure. Develop a poster, put it up. We get more attendees signing up. Then we do this, then we do that. And so I became more of like a marketing supervisor for them. So it was a huge like trial for me because I was basically getting paid to trial error and learn and develop that craft. That's sick. But that's like one of the best ways to learn is just on on the job, you know what I mean? Hands on. Yeah. So, Straight so, up. so you decided to go down the aver- the route of advertising 
when you were working for for the school, right? Kind of like doing their 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 advertising for their for their soccer team or their football team. So it was intramurals. So it's basically where it? where everybody who's going to school they can they can build a team and play basketball leagues. They oh, can okay. Do football leagues. So it's it's really like for the students. Yeah. Um. So it's for them if you don't if you don't get enough team signing up or whatever you don't get you don't get those people spending money to the program and that yep. program kind of diminishes and that's where they were kind of at is, yes. is there's not a lot of money going in to, to fund intramurals and so how how do you grow that and how do you 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 hit on something big right now because you know you, you got that creative aspect of yourself right but it's like also like as a creative how do creatives su- survive as a business if they don't do the marketing and advertising right I, yep. I always we always talk about it on this podcast is that that marketing and advertising is like 85 to 90 percent of the business right like you could do you could be the greatest photographer in the world you can be the greatest creative or whatever no one you're not going to succeed as a as an entrepreneur entrepreneur as an artist or like you know kind of financially if you're not marketing yourself if you're not advertising yourself and mm-hmm. letting people know what you do right yeah so that's pretty that's pretty important that's interesting how that kind of funneled your way into the mar- into the journey of, of marketing and, and advertising it really it really i didn't know right i'm i'm just trying to be a sponge and just embrace it and learn it and and see where it goes so, so, so you work for uh, marketing, marketing and advertising for Planet 13. Real quick, what is Planet 13? Yeah. So Planet 13 Holdings um, is, we, is a public entity. Um, it's a marijuana company. Um, we own Planet 13 Dispensary, which is the biggest dispensary in the world. The biggest. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it, it is uh, right now in its current phase one is 40,000 square feet which is pretty insane. That's already Damn, 40,000 square, 40, square feet. Is that wa- uh, walkable to the customer or is that yeah. just like the so whole entire thing? There's about, like an airport. There's about 15,000 square feet of offices. So no, ma- no matter where we expand, that's our flagship location. Um, so we, we have a lot of... Um, a lot of people working there who, who do handle marketing behind the scenes or handle yeah. this behind the scenes, right? Um, but... We're, we just announced a phase two expansion. So um, the whole building is 112,000 square feet. So through some upcoming phases, we're looking to build to that standard. Um, but we just announced um, we're, we're building a coffee shop. We're building a restaurant. We're going to have an event space. We're going to have a massive production facility behind glass. So you can see edibles, chocolate bars, being made vapes, and all, that. all that beverage line, all that stuff being filled and made Wow! Um, behind glass. So a customer can go up watch how it's made and learn how it's and made then go buy it. and then go buy it. Yeah. See, that's really dope. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like an educational kind of thing too, like showing you, Hey, this is how, this is how we're making what you're about to put into your body. Yeah. So Damn. it's more focused on experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's built to be an attraction. Okay. So in, in Las Vegas, there's, we have over 50 million tourists coming to Las Vegas every year. Right. Yeah. And for a lot of them, marijuana is new. They've never, they've they couldn't fathom the fact that marijuana is legal right so. because they're coming from a lot of states where it's still mm-hmm. illegal right yeah because it's not it's not federally legal right no it's federally no. illegal it's federally illegal, illegal, illegal right illegal. yeah that always that always tripped me out how something could be federally illegal but you could still do it in your state i mean in technical terms like you might know this better but it's like they can still come in and swoop on your stuff right to an extent yeah, and that's there's there's a fear associated with the with the industry for yeah. that, right? Like it's and that's why it's called a gray market, right? That's the, they refer to it as that because it's look. Is it basically no, like a swap meet? 
No. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is Swap Meet a great no. market? I, I would, no, ima- I don't think I would so. imagine, bro, because they're selling a lot of things that I'm pretty sure are trademark. You know what I mean? Like, if you go to a Swap Meet, you could buy a blanket with Mickey Mouse on it. I'm pretty sure Disneyland didn't approve that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, so we're it's much like, different than a, yeah. than a Swap Meet. I, I don't mean to make that <laughs> no, comparison. No, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I would say I would say we're... I mean, we're fully legitimized, right? We, I mean, we're a massive company and yeah. we're the biggest marijuana establishment in the world, right? And it's a braggable thing, but it's one of the most upscale um, facilities you'll yeah, ever it's find. it's beautiful. I was like, we, wow. We have to go just to check it out and yeah. take it like I, a little adventure, man. I actually been, and it's pretty. Oh, you've been? Yeah, it's super beautiful. I was like, damn, this is crazy. It's, like, pl- it's, pl- so it's Planet 13. Uh, is it one story or two stories? One story, right? Is now. it one, one story? story? Are you? Do you guys have plans to make it two story? Kind of no. like Ikea, how they got a food court upstairs. You know no, not yet. Yeah, not yet. That'd be tight. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give we, you guys uh, idea. we we do have some high vault ceilings, though, which makes the space, um, mm-hmm. it, it fits really well in the space. Um, but, I mean, really, we're, we're focused on, like, a lot of technology, too. So we bring a lot of tech into the space. So mm-hmm. we call ourselves an entertainment complex as well. So we have, like, an interactive LED floor. There's an orb show that takes place on the on the ceiling mm-hmm. while you're shopping. So there's so it's almost like what, drones. What about the thing outside where you can like tag the wall? Yeah, like it's like a laser the, art yeah, wall. Yeah, the prod- projectors. Yeah, so at at night, um, the we we have uh, techs go out there, and you as a customer, you can go out there and actually have a spray can, and it's a laser is attached to it, right? It's a crazy concept. What? And it, and you you. As you click the button, the laser shoots onto the wall. You can draw, hey, David is in Las Vegas. Susie, will you marry me? You know, like the fun stuff, right, that people might write as they're visiting. Mm-hmm. Take a picture, do all that stuff. Then you press a button on a on a keypad. It erases fully. The next person comes in line, writes whatever they want on it. Um, when they take a picture, they're done. They press the button, it erases completely. So is it, that that's all done via projection, or is it? Yeah. Oh, that's so, tight. That's so that, tight. That um, that first that first installation that was ever done was at EDC um, a few years back. We saw that technology, and we, we wanted to bring that in. Well, I think um, I think I've seen technology similar to that. Maybe not 100%, but it's uh, at, at the uh, CSN. You know, CSN has smart classrooms where they essentially have a projector that projects like a whiteboard onto the screen. Mm. And they use a pen. This is like a smart pen that just kind of you can draw on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it'll draw. And then you could just use you You can use the pen to erase the whole thing kind of, you know. That's kind of dope, though, because it's all based around the experience, right? Yep. And that's what Planet 13 is kind of all about is, is about the experience. Like you said, you guys going to have behind you said behind glass or behind the glass. So it'll be behind glass. So you'll basically, the idea is as products are being made, you can see on a, on a big screen or interactive screen, learn about what, which product specifically is being made right Mm -hmm. in front of you. Um, learn more about that product, see it being made live. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully that captivates you. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And that may, that turns to purchase habits, but either way, we're still producing a lot of products. Those will go for sale in our store and also wholesale into the Nevada market. It's a great thing because experience is what it's all about. It's like when people remember that they're they're always going to go back to planet 13. They're like, Oh, that's the place to go. I was having a conversation the other day. It was kind of referencing like the Ethylene factory or um, Guinness, right? When people go to Ireland and go to the Guinness factory, they see that beer being made. Mm-hmm. They try it. They see the whole process where really where the flagship location is. And then when they come back to, to their hometown, all they want to do when they go out is drink Guinness, right? They're mm-hmm. just like, they love right. that brand. They're all about it. Yep. They saw the behind the scenes. They almost, they're, they're almost like a brand representative. And it's, it, for us, it's a huge um, marketing play mm-hmm. um, f- for customers to really interact with that product and see that product. 
Damn, that's so dope. And when are we supposed to be getting the the lot pass so we can start doing the uh the lounges and all that consumption yeah with got got pushed back a little bit um but Always. we have some dedicated space and we're and we're 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 really hopeful we we like the direction it's heading right now um but we, the gaming commission board um and the gaming quarter doesn't allow marijuana in that area right so that's why yeah. you don't see dispensaries in the hotels and casinos right it's yeah. because they don't gaming and marijuana doesn't mix right. so there's almost there's a line drawn and we're as close as you can get to the gaming the gaming corridor so for us that's a huge competitive advantage because we know the tourists that are coming in that want to consume marijuana safely they're going to look to consume it on properties like ours where they can buy it consume it enjoy it yeah and then go back to the hotel or go back safely and and sleep for the night or whatever it is damn that's crazy i gotta ask why specifically did you decide to go towards the cannabis industry versus any other industry because marketing is pretty universal right it's it could be used in the cannabis industry you could you could go really any anyway with it why specifically cannabis yeah, that's a great question i uh i love building brands for whatever reason i'm just fascinated with the idea of like that entrepreneurial spirit of hey this is where it is now like let's take it to this next level and what i see in the marijuana industry is a lot of brands that haven't really developed yet it's still in its infancy stage oh yeah for sure and i haven't i I don't really see another industry that you can compare to where you can actually build a brand and build a, a huge following that people are so passionate about and interested about and can talk about hours for. It's something really special and unique and it really, I mean, there's a huge draw for it mm-hmm. for me personally. Just the, the opportunity, I think a lot as well. And and the passion I have for, for mostly building the brand. It's a pretty unique field to be in. I mean, it, it, I would be a little bit... Uh... It's a little, it's a little exciting, but it's also like at any moment, do you think it can just go away? That whole, no. that whole industry? No. You don't think so? No. I have zero fear. Really? Yeah. Do you feel like it could flatline though after a certain point? But I think that's anything to an extent. So I, think, mm. I think you look at other industries. Yeah. Nevada is a really good market. There's some other markets that, that have a ton of dis- dispensary licenses, right? You go, it's almost like 7-Eleven or gas stations on every corner. And that's when it it becomes a little tough because how do you separate yourself? And um, that's why we look at creating an experience. So right now we're, we're a massive store. Uh, We're going to look to aggressively expand into other locations. Um, They might not be as big as where we're at now, right? but you got to have the main location where, you know, it's the flagship, right? It's what we're known for, but, but each location will have an experience. And that's, that's what we're so focused on, um, is just redefining what it means to go into dispensary and purchase products. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's supposed to be fun. Like you can't, um, I mean, we, we cater to medical as well. We try to make the process with delivery and everything mm-hmm. as, as, as easy and concise as possible. Um, but for a lot of people, I'm, I, I sit back all the time and people watch just in our store, you get a, you get a father and son, you get an older couple, you get people who just turned 21, you get such a vast array of people and they're all so excited about how this is all unfolding, purchasing marijuana. They're looking at pre-rolled joints. They're looking at cannabis infused beer. They're looking at gummies. They're looking, their, their mind is blown. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's like that excitement that like really draws me in, in bringing people to plan 13. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, um, 
what 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 um primarily is your guys' demographic like have you noticed there there has been like a it's usually the younger crowd or mostly the older crowd what what is your demographic on a daily basis look like oh it's it's so vast and changing i'd say at average um Oh, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we run numbers all the time and, and we're kind of dialed in, but it's so across the board and it, and it skews depending on what's in town. We're, we're, we're very uh, much a tourist market. Mm-hmm. So we see people who come in town for March madness. Um, you see the hotel prices skyrocket, right? Yep. And you see the city being packed. Well, we're really busy as well. Yeah. You know, we're really, um, influenced by when is Las Vegas busy? which is a really good thing because we're in a, I mean, in March, right? The, the marketing side and advertising side of me is there's five weekends in March. Um, there's all these events going on. Um, a lot of conferences and things like that, that we, that we cater to. There was a number that I saw recently that was something like there, there's, it was a crazy number. I'm not, I'm, I'm totally going to drop the ball on this, but it was something like there's like 58,000 conferences a year in Las Vegas. Yeah. The conventions like, are crazy. Like, 58, bro. I, like I, I'm not saying it was 58,000, the number that I saw, but it was around that level where I was, I was looking at, it, I was like, Whoa, I don't even think 58,000, like that's going to be multiple conventions a day. Well, you think you about know? it too. Cause like it's counting little ballroom ones that yeah. aren't on the convention list yeah. you know those technically count because they're network marketing how areas many, you know yeah so. how, wait, wait, have you noticed there, there's been a, sp- a specific convention that brings in the biggest crowd yeah we mj bizcon <laughs> yeah mj bizcon was huge for us mm-hmm. uh, well, what's mj bizcon what's that um it's a big marijuana convention in las vegas oh, okay uh, i think it means marijuana bizcon uh, <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah, I think yeah. so, right? Uh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mary Jane. Okay, Not that Michael makes Jackson, sense. <laughs> <bro>. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, yeah, it's it was huge for us. We were that was when we really just opened. Uh, I mean, we 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 launched our our superstore in November. So I mean, we've we're still fairly new. It's right? in its and infancy. So every right? every new conference that comes in is new for us. So we don't right. know like, look, are people going to be pouring through the door? Or is it oh, gonna... so you guys are about to experience NAB for the first time? Yeah. Have you guys thought about marketing towards NAB? Yeah. So we that's so, a huge conference. Yeah. So MJ Bizcon, we we had no idea the amount of publicity we were going to get because we, I mean, common sense says right. Everybody who follows the marijuana industry is going to hear about Plant Thirteen, want to come check it out. Right. We were the only dispensary retail location to have a booth and have all the stuff, be a big advertiser. And so for us, it was like, okay, this is this is what we're going to start experiencing is this, these huge rushes. So we actually changed a lot of our dispensary floor to cater to like large crowds. And when there's big rushes, now we get drops off of huge vans. So now they do tours. Like people, like tour companies profit off of saying, hey, let me show you the biggest dispensary in the world. Let me show you all the marijuana companies. Let me show you this. Right. So people hop on the van and they take us to they take them to plant 13 and get them all excited. And you see tour buses of 20, 50 people pour out and it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. line up. And then how do we check them in as fast as possible? How do we cater to them and and. Um, help them but we have 42 registers which is pretty insane what does uh, that mean 42 registers pos stations so to Ooh. so like 40 42 registers oh okay like, like a, okay gotcha yeah. so 42 bun te- butt tenders <laughs> yeah. damn that's crazy well technically technically a little bit more because we ha- we have uh other places too yeah we have like a host that, that manages the Do you guys have the like flow. the apple store has like a genius bar you just go and ask questions i mean each one of them are is is a genius yeah yeah so we we've changed it where where you can have um so there's there's multiple types of people right that walk on the floor so you'll see somebody who it's like when you go in a clothing store and somebody goes hey 
can I help you with anything? You're like, mm-hmm. eh, no, I'm fine. Like, right. just leave me alone. Right. And yeah. you just put your head down and you just want to, you just want to browse, right. You uh-huh. just want to look for a lot of people. They kind of just want to walk around, see the facility and look at the products in the shelves. So what we did is we allowed them to shop on their own. If they find exactly what they're looking for, they can just go and wait in line into an express line and we'll, we'll get all the products for them. We'll take care of all that. Mm-hmm. But there's a vast majority also of people that would rather wait to have one person, one bud tender help them with a one-on-one experience that they can sit with for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long it takes them to ask all their questions, get all the answers, find the products they're looking for. So we, we have a hybrid setup um, now. But we originally came from medical market where it was just one-on-one service. Mm-hmm. Mm. But we wanted to keep that. That was still important to us to at least be able to offer that service. And it's it's still very popular. Yeah. Interesting, man. Um, you you had mentioned that, that you have buses that draw people off there at mm-hmm. Planet 13. Um, now, I know Sapphire does some, something similar where they partner up with hotels. And basically, they have they have packages where, like, if they use a service, they t- they're, they're taken from the hotel to like you know to to the sapphire location and then they have the whole partnership where they just bring people right how does that work in the industry like cannabis where you know maybe hotels don't want to partner up or or do hotels partner up with the cannabis industry and is it completely like fine or am i just they don't they don't partner right <laughs> well, think, yeah like quote I unquote think, partner uh, yeah but we we do offer a huge amenity we have two shuttles two two wrapped Plan 13 shuttles that mm-hmm. go up and down the strip, go to select locations. We'll pick people up. Take Is it free of charge? 13. Yeah. See, that's tight. Yeah. That's how you do it. So um, if you have a bachelor party, right, with with a bunch of your friends and you want to get picked up, we'll pick you up in a shuttle, bring you to Plan 13 free. But but, but that party has to, has to directly, like, hit you guys up and ask they, for it, right? We make rounds. So okay. we make rounds. So we see a lot of people um, by pulling into some of these areas and these popular areas where they're like, Oh, I know plan 13. I'm, I'm I was going to head there later today. I'm going to jump on just, that bus right now. <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's also like a mobile billboard for us. Um, mm. it's, it's huge exposure from the advertising side of things. Um, but, but we still wanted to offer that amenity. So as there's tours going on, seeing all the different dispensaries, that's good for us, but we wanted a specific shuttle that we owned that can actually cater towards the tourist market when they call and say, Hey, can I get, can I, I have five people with me? Can I get picked up? Yeah, we'll take care of you. We'll pick you up right now. You know, we wanted to be able to do that for people. That's super sick. And going back to uh, planet 13 as well, like, um, are you guys going to start like, like you said, when you do the uh, whole factory setting, are you going to start having only your own product in there? Is that like the goal or is it you still going to have other products, other people's products in the dispensary? Yeah. No, I think, the, the goal is to, of course, carry a lot of our own products. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they're going to be staples yeah, in our store. Of course. But I think it, a lot of the other brands in the market, they're hugely important. Because there's so many different types. Of, they're really important to our yeah. success, though. So I think we, we have we've developed a lot of relationships over yeah. the years and um, we work really well with them and they'll still be heavily involved with our store. Okay, that's it. But it's 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 an it's a great opportunity for us because we'll have the capabilities to do chocolates beverages, mm-hmm. gummies, where we haven't tapped that market yet um, for our, with our company. You know, we're not producing any of that stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's just helpful for us to have that um, that in-house brand. You know what would be game-changing, bro? If you did a cannabis-infused pizza. Wow. Damn. Yeah. That sounds so good right <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Uh, 
if you if you learned and saw the regulations and all that stuff, you just gotta put it in the cheese. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> you do, that's why you do the olive oil. They have like the olive oh, olive oil yeah, that yeah, you yeah. Can cook with. Uh, yeah, yeah, that shit's so strong though. Mm. It's just too yeah. strong. Have, have you had any? Have you realized there's been any challenges working in the cannabis industry, like for marketing and advertising, versus any other any other industry? Yeah, every day is a challenge. Every day is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, people have what, no what's, idea. Well, what's something that's common that you're like, oh, yeah. Um, well, there's there's a lot of regulations that basically inhibit you hitting um, your target market, right? And that that's that's the whole. Um, problem with the way it's set up right now is let's say there's something coming in next week. There's a great opportunity for us to go advertise to this new convention or this new thing. We have to submit that graphic for approval. Where is that graphic going to be handed out? Where is that billboard going to be? Then they have to approve it in the amount of time before that event. So you almost have to forecast your advertising initiatives months in advance. Right. And all it takes is for you to submit something and give you barely enough time for it, for it to reach that market. And then they go, eh, actually, you're going to need to change this word to this word. And that takes another 30 and then, days? And then, they, and then you resubmit and then you wait for them. So and it's all the say, red tape. And oh, that's the city, right? Like this is sending to the city of Las Vegas it's, or it's It's the, the county? county and state. So, Damn. yeah. So right now they're, they're inhibiting um, us saying Las Vegas Strip. They, they, there's a rule where you can't have like a marijuana bud, like a bud of marijuana take over a certain amount of the graphics. There's, it's, it's like percentage wise. Wow. Yeah. There's a, what about those people that have those cars in the street that go, yeah, they won't allow you to, they won't allow you to do that. You can't hand out on the strip. Wow. Yeah. Well, with any, with any business though, you can't, you can't do mass handouts like mm. that. You they literally have them? to say, you literally have to say this graphic, this specific flyer, mm-hmm. let me get this flyer approved. Now you have to get approved. Where are you going to hand that? Who are you going to distribute that to? All those details. Right. Um, we have to submit each brand that we create to make sure the logo is approved. Like every little thing that you see is approved. Mm-hmm. So for us, we, we're, we have the most wrapped cabs in the market. So I don't know if you've been in the strip area, but yeah, I've seen you can't, you literally can't move down there without seeing one plan 13 cab because we have a lot most in the market so little things like that are, are kind of market disruptors because mm-hmm. there's so it's so hard to be able to do that um that that we're really breaking through in the industry you 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 mentioned disrupt being a disruptor what what is a disruptor for those who are listening and don't know what a disruptor is in the industry like what what, what does that mean yeah i think it's doing things that haven't been done before um kind of paving the way uh, we're, I would say we have the strongest marketing plan out of anybody. Um, I think it tailors to the fact that we have something really unique and special and you can't really compare our plant 13 superstore to a corner dispensary, right? right? We're catering to two different markets. Um, but there's also never been anything built like we've built. Right. right? I remember when we, when we first started, um, really pitching the idea and going to the market people thought we were out of our mind. People were like, what are you talking about? You're going to build, how big is your facility? What are you going to do? You're going to have orbs flying around and a floor <laughs> that you can step on. And it looks like you're walking on water yeah. and laser spray cans. Like you're crazy. And then there was the other side that was saying, this is absolutely genius. Like people who smoke marijuana or partake in marijuana are the people who 
love these psychedelic or mm-hmm. cool, fun things. I mean, look at EDC and how they brand and their approach. Um, not comparing us to EDC, but it's still a very interactive component yeah. to it. Um, and we kind of put our head down and believed in what we wanted to do. And we're focused on being a market disruptor and just really changing the landscape because we didn't like what was normal. Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of industries uh, that don't like that word disruptive technology or whatever you know because they're like they're so used to their own way of doing things and it's working and then when you come around you come across something that's disruptive you're you're essentially you're 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 challenging them right yeah and you're and you're changing the rules and you're adapting to your market um and and a lot of that credit goes to um our co-ceos we have two ceos in the company bob grossbeck and larry scheffler and they're visionaries they believe in the plan they've they've been i mean just mostly so committed and passionate about creating something special and unique mm-hmm. that nobody could tell them no. And, um, I think even, and I, and I could tell you times got hard and just doing some of these things, right. Being a market disruptor, it's kind of like, Hey, how are we going to grow this? How are we going to mm-hmm. do this? And always had the answer, always ready. And that kind of commitment and just leadership is something I look up to too. This is dope. Yeah, leadership is definitely everything when it comes to something like this, especially in an industry that's so young too. Like you mentioned, you know, it's not something that's been around for a decade or two decades. Like it just became recreational in Nevada. What was it like two years ago? A year, year two? Two ago? years ago? Something like that. Yeah, um, recreational. Um, yeah, July twenty sixteen. What do you think lies in the future of of the cannabis industry in Nevada? Like, do you think it's gonna it's gonna become easier to operate, or you know, what are your thoughts? I think everything's going to get dialed in. So I think you're going to start seeing um, the competition continue to rise. A lot of mass production, I think, as well. So um, I think as I mean, as companies start mastering what they're doing, like I think we are, um, it's it's, you're going to see it on a bigger scale. So I think even a lot of cultivation side of things, they're Mm going to start doing millions of square feet of grow. Yeah. In the same building or and are you just talking about in general? I'm like talking everybody? about in general. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, like we're, what we're focused on, we're, we're a very retail focused company, but we also have two cultivations, two production facilities. Um, uh, we're really, we've seen a huge success in, in our production and our new branded products. So we really wanted to, um, create a massive facility to be able to tailor to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like you see in, um, like the tomato market, right. Where it's massive greenhouses and mass producing tomatoes you're going to see that transition over to um, cannabis and mm. those kind of products because the reality is when you can mass produce and bring the price down, you can control the market. Yep. I mean, that's what they're going to try to do. 100%. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, what, it yeah. I mean, it's with anything. Like the more, the more you, if you can be in multiple places at once, you can, you're going to bring in more money. You can lower your costs, right? Because yeah. it's going to bring in more money at the end of the day. And you know what's special about Planet 13? What's special about Planet 13? There you go. Um, we control the price. So if you're on the strip, right, as we're locals in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. we go to a bar down the street, it's $5 beers. When you go to the strip, it's $13 beers, right? You're down there. It's a special experience. You're around people who are visiting Las Vegas. You may you come to terms with paying that price, right? Yep. You know going downtown, hey, it just comes with it, right? Yeah. You're on the strip. You could take a taxi two miles down the road and get a 12 pack of beer and save 30 bucks. Right. But right. instead you're just going to keep drinking beer at the bars, keep mm-hmm. drinking beer downtown for us. We're in such a 
significant location where we can control that price. Um, so as prices go down on the market and the wholesale price of flour and edibles and all that stuff, we cater to a tourist market who's going to be visiting out of town. Uh, so we have a lot more control in what we do and, and can actually dictate that a little bit better. Oh, damn. So, so is your, is your ultimate goal to, to make everything go up in price or go down in price or not necessarily change drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll always hover around the market standard. Um, but as you can see from a local perspective, we're going to go and get a deal, right? If you're, if you're, if you're local and you're in a neighborhood and you're not going to, you're going to go on your phone and find, okay, what can I get this for? What price is this? Can I grab this chocolate bar for 12 bucks? Or if I go up the street, I can get it for eight bucks, right? Mm -hmm. You're comparing, you're actually, you're, you're thinking about those decisions. Um, and those are really important to you. Whereas if you're just in town for a weekend, you're just trying to have fun, right? A lot of people, I have friends come in town and they, they really have a certain amount of money set aside saying, Hey, I'm here for four days. I have, Hey, "Hey, I have this much money in town. Let's have fun. Mm -hmm. Right. They're looking to get rid of it. I came to spend $5,000. Yeah. It's got to go. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And I can't lie to you. People get like, they get ignorant. (laughs) They go into, they go into the store and they want the biggest joint. They want, concentrate in their joint. They want this. What's, what's the most expensive thing you got here? Like, you know, you get those kind of questions and we cater towards the upscale market. Right. Um, but we do see all walks of life. Now here, let, let me ask you this question. Cause I noticed there's, there's been a lot more business businesses that do this where they create kind of like an app, right. And for the, for their business where you can shop on their app and then they build some kind of a, it's like a customer experience with the loyalty program Yep. where they, you get, you rack up points you, for every hundred dollars you spend, you get $5 credit or whatever is planet 13. Do you think they'll ever do something like that along those lines where you can be build a customer loyalty program for the locals who are in town or are you mostly catering to the tourists and you don't really, you don't think that's so much as, as important to planet 13? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think first of all, a loyalty program of any sort is if you don't have one, I think you're really messing up. Yep. Right. Right. I think it's, it's very crucially important. Um, for us, we, uh, we adopted, um, a new system over the past few months where we actually track it by your spend. Um, so we are, we already do have a, um, a loyalty program, um, for locals and for people who maybe come to Vegas every month or, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be. Right. So it's, it, it can get saved for however, however long you want it to be saved. Um, but, for for the weights for the setup we have is its percentage of spend. So we were doing it tracked on per visit in in, in our previous location in our previous store. Um, but when we transferred over to the superstore, uh, we did it off percentage of spend because it was we were we're starting to reward for the actually what you're spending, right? And that was that was a that was a huge step for us. So it's actually um, integrated with our POS system, so you can actually track that. Oh, and, that's that's tight. Yeah. So you, it's not like a card or anything. It's just like the, you'll remember the name yeah. and everything. So it's like you come in and purchase. Nice. I go, hey, what's your phone number? I enter your phone number mm. um, and you make that purchase. You you receive the points um, and you can also um, redeem those as well. For, well for which is crazy because when you when you implement a customer loyalty program, you uh, you kind of get in the way of their decision for where they're going to go. Right. Like, let's say. Let's say I have a Starbucks gift, a Starbucks card and I have a Dutch Bros, right? Punch card. If I have, oh, I got a free drink at Dutch Bros. It's a little further away. 
and Starbucks is right there. But I'm I want that free drink because I forgot I racked up those yeah. points. I'm gonna make the trip to Dutch Bros, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like you're incentivizing you're you're becoming now the middleman on a returning customer. Yep. Which no. is kind of dope. Yep. And I think nowadays everybody has some sort of loyalty program. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure some marijuana dispensaries don't because I think sometimes they haven't evolved to where the market is just in a general perspective. Um, but I think for us, it was really important for us to track it by their spend and actually reward them. So if you spend, if you go in there and spend $300, I'm not going to say here's, here's $5 per visit. No, Mm -hmm. we want to actually say, because you spent so much, we gave you this much back. That's nice. Yeah. Cause I'll say like, the stamp cards. That's what I like. You know, when they have like 10 things, yeah. I'm like, that shit hypes me up. I'm like, Ooh, I got my stamps. And yeah. they're like, we'll give you an extra one for spending that much. Yeah. I know it's kind of different. Cause and I'm, like a, I'm a marketing guy. So I'm always doing like the, the math in my head. So mm-hmm. I know like, okay, if I buy 10 cups of coffee and I, or if, and I get the 10th free, yeah, like, that's oh. actually like, I'm really only getting a dollar. Yeah. You're not saying <laughs> I was like, it's like, I'll, I'll toss cards, but I actually do that math in my head. But I think not everybody thinks about that. Right? Yeah. Nah, yeah. no, it, it's, just, like it's like you person. said, it's the experience of feeling that you're going to get either something for free or you're, or you're getting a discount on it. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that, cause I know like, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, for farmer boys down the street. Yeah. I think if you spend like, you got to spend like $65, every $65 you spend there, you get $5 for oh, free. Okay. You know, but it's also like, it's incentivizing you personally just go there to eat your food because you know you think about every trip is going to be what eight to ten dollars thirteen dollars a trip you have to to go five or six times to rack up your points right yeah now you wouldn't ordinarily go five to six times in a month you'd probably go once every couple months but if you have you're working towards a goal you're more likely to go back there right it's weird though because it's it's i guess it's just the tangibleness of having a card or like an app where you can see your points so you feel like oh I'm actually gaining something from that. I think it's like psychological almost. Like it, yeah. you know, it doesn't really matter in the end. Like you're saving maybe. And once again, and I have to, well, one of the other points I forgot to mention, we give 20% off to all locals. That's so dope. people don't realize. So that. Say, can you say that one more time for the people in the back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's 20% for all medical patients, locals. So we try to really cater towards them and, and offer them more discounts. We do, we do, uh, like almost like a VIP texting platform. So we'll send um, specials and promotions per day mm-hmm. or um, big events that we're having where we we do 50% off this or this price that, you know, we, we do some promotions for them. Um, but for us, we got to really think about um, the marijuana side of things is really touchy for people. So you get people in industries that they're technically not allowed to consume cannabis. And so giving them a card that says plant 13, loyalty uh, reward yeah, member <laughs> like they're like no i want nothing to do with that like they freak out like yeah. i don't want i no i don't want to actually i don't even want to purchase like you know they'll freak out like they really i mean people people get really touchy about that because yeah, they don't want to lose sense. their job they don't want to get in trouble for a lot of these different things so we have to always consciously kind of think yeah, about that, that and sense. and coming from a um a the medical market. I mean, we, we were more medical in Nevada first. Um, uh, we had medicine. It was a dispensary, um, prior, um, that medicine turned into a brand, um, a branded product that now isn't sitting on the shelves exclusively at plant 13. Um, but we learned really how to cater towards that, um, specific customer base. So mm-hmm. we knew how, how private that information was, um, HIPAA compliant, all that stuff that we really treat each person's identity and customer information really privately. Mm-hmm. 
I gotta ask, man, because I I ask to everybody who comes on here who's a business or who helps run a business. Have you? Would you guys ever start accepting cryptocurrencies as payment at one point or another? No. You don't think so? No. Why not? I just I think we're a long ways out. Do you think one day though? Maybe I, in like I mean, twenty years. I, I, you never know. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. how, how far apart? How far away <laughs> do you think we are, realistically? Uh, I don't think in the next ten years. Really? Yeah. I think I think you guys will. I think in the next five you will. Yeah. And, I, and I'll tell you I'll tell you why because it, cryptocurrency is not necessarily. I'm not saying take Bitcoin and you and you guys as a company hold the Bitcoin, but there's intermediary intermediary. How do you say the word, bro? I don't know intermediaries. Intermediaries. Know what that means. Where essentially <laughs> people will send you the Bitcoin and automatically your POS will then convert it to USD, so yeah. you don't deal with the fluctuation of price. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you guys have that gate for people who maybe are very very concerned about their identity and maybe they don't want to swipe with the card. Um, or maybe you know, it's cash. It's a, it's a cash business, right? So I think. Uh, no. Wait. So we accept cards too. Oh, you guys accept cards too? Yeah, okay. Because I th- that's been kind of like we're what on I've the noticed. Edge. So we we yeah, we're we're on another frequency, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's hard to compare us to like other dispensaries sometimes, but um, for a lot of these other stores, it, it's a timing issue. I think for the for the crypto side of things with with dispensaries and marijuana mm-hmm. facilities, I almost feel like the the latter states that come in and and go legal um if it's not federally legal by that time then it could happen mm-hmm. um i think if it went federally legal i don't think there's i don't think they're gonna accept crypto i think we should we shall wait and see because the bank, <laughs> it's the banking issue and that's the, that's that's crypto's edge in my opinion mm-hmm. but I don't know. You never know, man. There, there's a ton of companies, especially in China, that are working on tech right now. You a big crypto guy? Pretty big, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you Let's can not see go it. down this rabbit hole right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but, I respect it. I mean, I think that it's there. Mm-hmm. I just, some of these bigger companies have to have to jump in like us, and I don't know. Well, it's like you said, because um, I think I think crypto is a, is a big market that's a disruptor as well. Mm-hmm. It's disrupting the way banking happens. Like, it completely cuts it out. There's no need for it, right? So my mind just goes a different, a million different ways thinking, how can you incorporate, you know, cryptocurrency into local merchants? Cause the thing is like maybe cryptocurrency will never be big here in the United States. Right. Because we have banking, we have the day to day of like, okay, well, if I need money, I go to the ATM, I go to my bank, it's all taken care of. Right. Yeah. But it's mostly most important where you go to a third world country where maybe they don't have technology. Maybe they don't even have a bank in the, in the county or, you know what I mean? Then it's a little, then, then it's important. Um, but I don't know, man. You you never See, know. I think I think people's people's. I mean, if you think about the fact that we went from a, a, a debit card to a card, uh, a debit card that no longer uses has your information on it. Now it's on the chip, so it's less trackable, right? Yeah. It shows you a concern globally that there's now, like, you, now you have your phone and you just go like right, yeah. and then and now you have your Apple Pay where yeah. you don't even need a card. Now See, everything's encrypted in your phone, so do it's you like see a lot of crypto in the black market. In the black market, you see a lot of them using, so it's not no, traceable. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like a, a lot of a, a big reason. And one of the biggest, like, you know, cons- not conspiracy. One of the biggest, like, things in crypto that make people think bad about it is because, you know, it's un- it's untrackable. So it's like, oh, so, you know, everything, you know, only drug dealers and, and you know, murderers or whatever go on to you to use Bitcoin. But you yeah. think about it, they said the same thing about the Internet when it first came out, you know. I mean, so. there's still murderers and big drug dealers exactly. using cash. Like exactly. The, the regular dollar bill, like, it don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And they say it's trackable, but 
let me see you try to track that. <laughs> I, I think I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting at least to open up a discussion because I mean even even if not using cryptocurrencies, I think using the technology of blockchain. Like, what are your thoughts on on blockchain? I'm, I'm you guys? nowhere near eligible to have a conversation. Oh, okay, okay. Because <laughs> okay, so for those I'm the first one to admit when I don't when I don't know. No, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, for sure. No, no worries. Um, Explain it real quick though, just for all our new blockchain. Listeners. Blockchain is just a uh, blockchain itself is not decentralized, which is the beauty of, of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is decentralized, which means nobody holds the authority of it. Right? If you if you if you have your Bitcoin, there's no one that can tell you that you don't have it. That that it's yours, 100. It's decentralized. You don't have to go to a bank to get it. It's yours. Um, blockchain is a technology that is based on, which is essentially just a peer-to-peer database um it's it's a it's a it's a ledger so it's a way of verifying that something exists like how do we how do we know that a u.s dollar exists because everywhere you go there's u.s dollars if if if, um there's a record for how much of it exists right and we all agree that that's worth something because that's what we We all agree on we we give it the value so a ledger is just a way of uh uh, for technology in technology to keep track of things to say and it it can be used in so many things from medical stuff to you know hospitals colleges uh money is just one aspect of it but the whole security but side yeah, the whole, like, yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole basically like blockchain technology is, is a really advanced way of keeping everything on record. Like they're using it for, they're, they're starting to use it for gaming to keep all your information on a ledger. They're using it for uh, education to keep all your transcripts. So you don't have to go through a actual database of like, you know, what if, what if a, a, a school loses, loses all its records, you know, yeah. you can't lose it on, 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 how on, do you, how do you feel about the fluctuation of value? That's uh, that's something that comes with it being such a new market. Okay. Um, you think it's leveling out to where it should be, or you think it's it's, it's nowhere near where it should devalued. be. It's okay. nowhere near where it should be. If, if if Bitcoin was to be used by as many people uh, that use the U.S. dollar, if it it a uh, one Bitcoin would be roughly equivalent to a million dollars because there's such a little amount of it. I think there's the the original amount that that is that will ever exist in, in the entire history sh- was 21 million dollars 20, 21 million bitcoins yeah. 21 million bitcoins will only ever exist and i think because of the way when it first came out um the four million of them were lost forever so there's no way to get those back so there's only really only 17 million mm-hmm. bitcoins so <laughs> going, going down this rabbit hole so bitcoin uh bitcoin is is kind of like to hold Bitcoin, you need a Bitcoin address. So it's like a wallet. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a, a wallet, right? Yeah, but but it's essentially, it's a it's a it's a numeric alphanumerical address with a bunch of numbers and letters. And if you send it to the wrong address that no one has the keys for, like the private keys, which is your mm-hmm. you have a you have a public key and a private key, and you need both of them to access that wallet. And a lot of people, when they when when Bitcoin first started out and they were getting on it, they would mind a hundred bitcoins or whatever, keep it on their wallet. And then they're, they're, they throw away the computer because they forgot about it. Time went by, they threw it away. It wasn't worth anything. It, it was, was like worth like, cents. it was worth like 13 right. cents. They threw, they threw it away. That's a hundred, a thousand bitcoins. Um, so there's just, there's just a lot, a lot of addresses that cannot be accessed. So and they, that's, they estimate about 4 million yeah. are unaccessible yeah. because of those, because, because of all that. Yeah. Because of all that stuff. And it could have been people sent it to the wrong address and nobody knows where that address is at, or it could have been, they had it in a hard drive cause it's all digital. And then they throw away the computer. The computer went bad or something like, you know, so yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's quite the rabbit hole there, yeah, man. It's, it's pretty, crazy. but, but essentially uh, Bitcoin is one of those, is one of those, um, 
things that's based on on blockchain technology um and we could probably get somebody that's way more you know into it to talk to you about it yeah because it's it's pretty it's pretty deep man. no it interests me for um, sure but uh but yeah what you because you, you you had mentioned price fluctuation right the only reason it, it fluctuates so much is because there's so little people using it you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like imagine 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 if if, if we all had one dollar here at this table there's three of us right if i threw my dollar away or burned it the price of that dollar would then go up a lot more because there's less of it right but imagine if there's a, a billion of us in this room uh, it's impossible but imagine there's a billion of us and one of us throws away that dollar do you think it's going to fluctuate that much that's only one out of a billion mm, makes mm. sense but if it's one out of three it's going to go up a lot right so that's just the foundation for why it goes up so much that's so. super interesting yeah but i'll say going back on to your marketing and everything <laughs> um uh, thank you, Keem, for teaching us. Oh, and teaching blockchain all the new corner. It's yeah. interesting because crypto I, corner. I have a friend who does like uh, I think he his is called Tokes. Okay, it's a cryptocurrency for marijuana, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know where they're at now. I haven't really kept updated. But going back to marketing, like where do you see it? Because like social media, you'd say right now is the biggest, not say the biggest, but one of the most newest types of way of marketing, right? Yeah. So like past Google AdWords, we we're talking about Facebook, Twitter instagram and all that what do you see next like what's in the future for like like marketing like augmented reality vr or is it still going to be i do think vr is is like an interesting component we actually Mm -hmm. uh um we had a vr fest at our store which is just a side note it was kind of cool where a lot of people did was that like stations or you can like walk around with so when ces was in town we we teamed up with VR fest. And mm-hmm. so we had a, we had a huge event space where we, um, we had people competing and doing a bunch of stuff with VR, but it was a really cool experience. But, uh, I think what's really cool for people and it's like, I don't know if you're going to Coachella, but in the mail, you get a, mm. you get the VR set and then you, you put your, your goggles on and, and you see what it's like to like walk towards a stage at Coachella, right? You, you get that immersive experience. And I think that's a huge tool. Um, but I think that's all it is. I think it's a tool. And I think you, mm-hmm. you line up these tools and it creates your your kind of tool chest, right? Yeah. Um, I think learning from MySpace and learning from all these companies that kind of failed over the years, I think Instagram, Facebook, um, these companies are learning to diversify themselves mm-hmm. and prevent themselves from ever going away. Yeah. And it's kind of scary for me to think about, right? But it's, you see... Um, one of the platforms creating something special and unique, all the other ones adopt it. So they're all competitive together, mm-hmm. you know, so they rely on each other's innovation and it's, it's a pretty interesting concept, but I think, um, for us, social media as new as it is in, in, in more, more of the new wave, uh, we're really limited because a lot of these, a lot of the terms of use illegal. terms of use is look, yeah, it's legal in Nevada, but it's, if you're in another state looking at your yep, Instagram you feed, it. it's it's illegal. So what they do is they t- they adopt the the route where hey you can't you can't promote the sale or anything of cannabis, and so you see a lot of Instagrams getting shut down. You see a lot of things getting flagged on Facebook. I already know. Yeah, so it's really it's, tough. It's rough. Yeah, but I think uh, for first of all the the next step would get all that stuff legit and make sh- <laughs> allow us to post. So you think when it goes federally legal, that's when Facebook will probably be a little bit more easy going on it. Everything will just because it's still going to be illegal in certain countries, like alcohol. Like there, some countries it's illegal. Yeah, you can't promote there via Facebook. I think I think the fact that that everything's kind of split up right now. Yeah, in the in the country that that's what prevents it. Um, and 
I think a lot of these social platforms don't want to get, they don't want to say it. We allow cannabis. That'll create, that'll create an uproar. Yeah, exactly. As, as weird as it sounds, cause it's, I mean, a majority of the, of Americans want cannabis legal. Right. I mean, I, that's what's crazy to me. And so you get you get still some of these areas that just don't want it. And that's fine. I think each state should be able to adopt whatever laws they want. Mm-hmm. If they want to say, hey, we will only want to be a medical state and they make that decision. OK, they're a medical state. And then two years later, I'll if they right. say, hey, I yeah. want to be a recreational state, then become a recreational state. Adopt those rules. Uh, we we learned a lot, um, I think within the state of Nevada, when we went recreational, um, I think we did a lot of things right. We did a few things wrong, but um, I think a lot of other states are starting to learn from each other and adopt some of those rules that really worked well. Um, I mean, it, it was a lot for, for them to say, hey, what are the limitations on people buying? Are we gonna let them buy as much as they want? Are we gonna let them buy an ounce? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. they had to configure all that. And so it's been a lot of tough, it's been really tough on states, but to kind of reroute back to your question, I think um, some of these social platforms are really powerful, but mm-hmm. we haven't re- really been able to tap into yeah. it. We can't do any type of paid advertising nope. on any of this stuff. And that, to me, that's what I'm laser focused on. It's like, let's get us to that level. It's basically trying to find like the, the way of the loophole is like, how can we market something? How can something be marketed on a social media platform without it actually being paid? So it's yeah. like viral videos. And, there, you and know? there's, there's, there's social platforms that are just for cannabis users, right? Really? That, that they're trying to make, right? So, That's kind of smart, yeah. so if it's like the Instagram of cannabis, yeah. right? So you go on your own, you go on your own. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it is. Right. But the problem is, is we're trying to target the general public. We're trying to target people who aren't already our regular customers. Yeah. We're trying to, I mean, adapt new customers right. and, and get those people through the doors. Tell people about when we can, when they search terms like of what to do in Las Vegas or like things to do in Ve- Vegas and they hashtag all these different things. Okay. That, that creates a trigger and now we target them. You know, we're, we're adopting some of these really solidified marketing techniques that other industries are doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're one of the first to adopt that. Um, in cannabis yeah you know yeah. What, would, what would be smart and I don't know how legal this is but this is would be this would be like a trick a way to tr- like get around the system right you can't advertise your business that is based around the marijuana industry so you create a sister business a sister business right next door that is not that's nothing has nothing to do with cannabis but you get them to come visit that location and then yeah. you just go, you put the sign physically outside, you know, <laughs> Hey, come over here. And then, you know, you or reroute you know what, traffic. You know what else you can do? Huh? You can build a coffee shop, a restaurant. That's what I'm saying. Inside. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's what, that was originally was what I was going to tell you right now. Like, what if you guys had like a, like, I don't know, la- like a, like a laser tag place inside yeah. your place. Right. And you advertise that. So we just announced phase two where we have a restaurant, a coffee shop. We have all these things going into our, so it's different suites. But here, here's my question. Wouldn't that necessarily be inside of your current location? And wouldn't it be under the same kind of license? Or is that, that, is that that's just different? Nope. It's different. Damn, that's crazy. That's See, tight. that's where I like those regulations and everything on the city is pretty wild. Because, and like you, you were saying, we kind of did it right compared to a lot of other cats. Like in other states. Like that's the thing with um, Vegas. Like they're so strict on stuff. So that's pretty interesting that they'll let you like see it as a different um entity inside that building yeah we're we're still going through all that and, and yeah and Just figuring learning. a lot of that stuff out um but i mean for us it kind of sounds bad to say hey we're looking at loopholes but 
we're kind of looking at new ways that we can really grow our business and and advertise to to a tourist customer how how does someone find out about planet 13 right, right. and that's what i ask myself every day how what are new ways we can we can get in front of them um sometimes people don't just sit there and and google brand names or dispensaries in, in las vegas and things like that they sometimes they don't right? right and so from when they get off the plane to when they're going to their hotel room what are the different outlets that they can be reached? Is it billboards? Is it cabs? Is it, you know, all these different mm-hmm. things. And so, um, I think we're very dialed in right now. I think we've really found, um, the, the sweet point, but I think, uh, we're, it's a, it's a ever evolving business. We, we laugh all the time and say, it's like dog years. It's like, I've been in the industry for three years. I feel like I've been in it for yeah. <laughs> forever, but it's, it's, it's a grind because you, you have to jump through all these hurdles and normal big, business practices you can't really do in the marijuana mm-hmm. industry so you just have right. to you really have to learn how to adapt and pivot and um i mean if you're not passionate about it you're not going to survive in the right because if you're not passionate you're not going to constantly find ways to innovate and grow the business you're just going to stag you're going to stagnate right you're yeah. going to stay where you are um with as many years as you have in your background in marketing and advertising what what tips do you have for somebody who's trying to grow their own brand or like trying to, you know, what advice would you have or, or, or things that you found out along your path that have helped you realize this is how you grow a brand or this is how you create a brand? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, number one, I think it's just passion. Like before even the skill set or be ha- before you have anything really tangible, you have to be able to know really w- w- the idea of what you want and to be able to say, Hey, I'm going to, work my ass off to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have that to start and that's why some things fold over. That's why they fail. Yeah. But if you, if you have that determination, you have that passion, um, you need to really see what people are doing around you, things you like about those certain brands and things that you don't like and, and build this brand based around, I mean, what, what sets you apart? What makes you different? Uh, what market are you, are you hitting that that's unique and different from other people? Um, you can't just say, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a Coke brand and, you know, Mm -hmm. go in and just all of a sudden be successful. I mean, that just, there's some markets that are really tough, right? And you're, you got to think logically about some of that stuff. Um, but there's, you have to learn from people who've done it before you too. And I think that's really important. Um, in our industry, uh, there was, there's a few cultivations. I'm not going to name drop any of them or branded products that two, two and a half years ago, two years ago they were, they were untouchable. They were the best, right? Two years go by and now we're hit, we're sitting at this table and those brands, nobody really talked about them because they got comfortable and so many brands came into the market. Um, they made a few too many mistakes and these other brands didn't make mistakes. They didn't allow themselves to make make mistakes because they were so passionate on top of things. They live and breathe it, you know, and Mm -hmm. that, that's really what sets people apart. Mistakes happen. Problems happen. I mean, but not being progressive and yeah. trying to think outside of the box, you're going to be held back a shit ton. hundred percent. And like you just said, you'll probably fall flat <laughs> yeah. and be forgotten. Damn, that's sad. But that's, that's super interesting. Like, so one thing with you, what do you see you like you, what do you see yourself doing in like the future? Like, yeah, I want to, I mean, I per as a personal goal, what I try to do is develop, um, really successful brands that that hit new markets and and have a specialization for with a certain product so um we've i've had the chance to really um 
brand all of our packaging um a lot of our like social media initiatives yeah, i mean dope. everything right i created the plant 13 logo and helped build the whole facility you know and going back idea. to that real quick how'd you when you when you logo design because I, I do graphics you know but i'm not i'm not gonna say i'm good at them yeah. you know what i mean but like, he's really good how, how how do you aim like for logo design and all that like what's your process like do you have anything or do you just kind of like just keep working at it until it looks good or do you go off for of the me clients, for of me course? i find that like i i draw like a lot of inspiration mm-hmm. and so like i think it's really important for you to for you to see things in a different way. So, um, I look at logos like all the time, like I'm obsessed with it. Right. I'm looking mm-hmm. at some it. of the best designers in the world and their portfolios, what they do, you know, what they did with the Google campaign, what they did with this, right. All these different flyers, graphics, all this stuff. And I, and I almost like take a mental picture of all these different things and, and ideas and I formulate my own. And I think, um, it's hugely important for us to have like the internet and Google and be able to look at the best people in the world and what they're doing and not only follow the current wave, but see like some new waves that are coming up and, and being able to adapt that way. But I think drawing from inspiration, seeing other things and finding like a concept and just building off that concept is just hugely important. Mm-hmm. Cause I am, I'm sure you experience I mean, it. Everybody takes inspiration from everything. Yeah. How it is. It's like if you're a musician, right? You you're drawing inspiration from the people you grew up mm-hmm. with or your idols or whatever. Yep. Um, but um, I could, there hasn't been, if you guys saw the first plant 13 logo or like the first 10 Cowboy plant 13 logo, font. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's like, it's embarrassing. It's did crazy. you do it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you, you had a process. I thought somebody else did it and you were like, well, hell no. Oh no, I did it. And it, and I look at it and then I'd like pitch it to ownership and I'd talk about it. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not the one. That's not the one. Go back. Do it after weeks and months of doing multiple different designs. Cause for me, that's still in my, my, my adolescence design phase, right? I'm not masterful yet, you know, I'm not whatever. So I'm like, it takes me a lot of going over, yeah. over and over and over again. Right. Um, but like step back for so minute, many different concepts, know? so many different variations in every logo that I do. It's kind of, it's just a process. Cause there's some people I see on like Behance, like they use like the fucking Fibonacci theory and shit or something like diagrams and angles and all. I'm like, whoa, is it that complex to make a logo? And I sit there, I'm yeah. like, I want to try that. Just one time. Like, Have you done can it? You, can you no. explain, can you explain it, that real quick? What the, what the hell is a Fibonacci? What I, I don't think it's Fibonacci. What, what's, it's like when all, like the circles, yeah, the, all circles. the circles fit inside of each other. It's, I've, I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's basically like, like a, a scientific way to, to visualize yeah. something. If something's visually, visually pleasing to you. Yeah. Wow. I was yeah. like, what? Nuts. I was like so, is it that But I also crazy? think what happens I don't want to say people like embellish, but I think that's they what do. I want. That's what I, I think they do. I wanted to do that to be like, yeah, look but for how me, precise what my was, logos. What was transcendent for me is I used to like do logos and I never know how to like communicate that or I do packaging. I never know how to show people like, Hey, look how cool this is. And it was always like a letdown. Like I'd be like, I'd be, I'd work 50 hours on this one logo or this one product or whatever it is. And I'd show them and it didn't really look that good. So it, it took a while for me to, develop how do i show this product off like how do i show this finished product or use it in a real life scenario mm. so not only am i showing you a logo i'm showing you what, what it this looks, looks like, like on a shirt on a business card like, yeah. on whatever it looks realistic it. like i show people 
hey, is that real? Is that, did you print that already? Oh, no, no, no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that, yeah. and so it's, it's, it really helps people vi- visualize it. And for business owners, it's huge for them to see the logo that you just made them and then w- what it's going to be in real life. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's funny because I learned that the hard way. I was like, damn, like my logos keep getting smacked down or my graphics. But then when I like did like the business card, a t-shirt yeah. and some other things, like what it'll look like when it's conceptualized onto actual products, they're like, oh, that looks great. And I was like, damn. Yeah, we did, a, we did a recent billboard campaign for Plant 13, and it's mm-hmm. it's really just a, it has a pop out on top, right? So it says the logo like really popped out, so you can see a little bit offsetting with the sky mm-hmm. or, I love or that. whatever you see. I don't know. Have you seen it yet? Have you seen that? It's on the 15th. Okay, okay so you guys do California. have a billboard, right? We have billboards. Because I, I, think I, I think I did see it, yeah. Okay, so. But it's a cutout one, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's all red background, and it's just, it's focused on just like, quick bold phases just like phrases so it says like there's always a first time and so it's like what the hell is that right and so you're while you're driving in you google plant 13 and you're like oh this is a marijuana superstore like this is crazy right and it's it's about grabbing people's attention but when i first went to pitch that idea of me saying hey red background white text there's always a first time it's like okay whatever and then you mock it up in a real life scenario you they're see like, it ooh. on a oh that's actually that could work you know and so it's it's also about presentation Mm -hmm. um and learning and that took me a little bit of time i think a lot of trial and error but Mm -hmm. it 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 came a long way do you have to explain to them too like what people might think as well like when they see that kind of like what gary v said when he was like if i did a super ad commercial a super bowl ad commercial he's like i'll literally say the company's name for the 30 seconds so it'd be like McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. Because he's like, most of those ads you see, you forget the brand. Yeah. Because they're so intricate, too much is going on. He's like, I'd literally just have a person saying, I was like, damn, that's kind of genius. You know what I yeah. mean? No matter which way you look at it. I was like, I love simple, very simple marketing, but it hits so hard. Like what you just. Yeah, we did, did print like ads night. to pair with the billboard. And it was just a red page with just a bold text that said like. Um, Why red? What? Why red? Because it's. That's, a, that's a part of our logo. That's a part of our branding. But why did you pick red? Because when I think red, I think of Mars. Yeah. Unexplored it's, it's, territory. It's attention grabbing like a motherfucker. We wanted just to be bright and bold and and powerful. Our old our other logo was really green and medicinal, and yeah. I think it was just almost like the opposite. Yeah. Um. I think I, I think green is very very common for the cannabis industry, man. You yeah. know, if you think about it, like it's kind of like how any photographer has a camera in their logo in their logo name like it's just i think, I think it's played out a little i think if key. you do look at it too on the color scale i think it's like red yellow and then you have like green wait are you blue. are you talking about like, like what, 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 what your yeah. mind thinks and the way it makes you feel yeah. that's why if you look at logos jack in the box is red mcdonald's is yellow burger king is yellow and red well, there's an actual chart that that tells yeah, complementary colors yeah and what's the most attention grabbing ones and whatnot yeah red and yellow yeah you think so. mcdonald's right that's the biggest company in the world like yeah it's the most attention grab that's why i like red because like like you said like it's gonna blue sky red wendy's is red jack in the box is red mm-hmm. i think every every big company kind of knows that to an yeah. extent i guess bud light's blue yeah and you get a lot of corporate companies with blue and you can i mean industries have their own color scheme yeah mm-hmm. um and that's i mean going to school for me like I just remember in marketing classes just talking about, oh yeah, color schemes for these, for, for a more, um, um, 
for pharmacies, it's these color schemes. For this, for corporate companies, mm-hmm. it's this color scheme. Food is this company. And it's like, okay, next topic. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. That's really interesting to me. Like, I want to learn more yeah. about that. Yeah. And so um, I just, I kept wanting more. And that's what really got me interested. Like conversations like this and, and understanding design and paths. And I mean, I learned everything through YouTube. Well, the, the, there's Shout also YouTube, yeah. YouTube. <laughs> you, always as YouTube University. There's also a website called uh, Cooler. K-U-L-E-R. Whoa, never it's, heard. It's from Adobe. Um, you essentially pick pick a color and you can pick either the two complementary colors. You can pick five different, I forgot what they're called, but it, yeah, it's K-U-L-E-R.com for anybody who's doing any logo design. You can go on that website and if you're creating your logo using a certain color, you can find what other colors around it help make it pop and you know are just complimentary they have a whole bunch of different ways even an illustrator too. too like if you go to swatches you can see like the different type of they they have like all these different like one for business and they'll show you multiple pantones or whatever yeah. they're called and they'll be like these are pantones it took it pantones? Me, <laughs> yeah it took me a long time to to transit i learned i started with photoshop Same it took here. me a long time to transition to illustrator illustrators and i'm it, still transitioning fuck it's so hard it's, it's like i can do so much in photoshop so yeah, quick i can't do illustrator, illustrator i'm like Okay, how do you no. do this again? <laughs> like, but it is it is like where it's at. And then someone keep and then when I first was learning, it's like, yeah, I mean, um, Photoshop is squares and and uh, illustrators and lines and this. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that doesn't mean it has to be this hard. Like, yeah. why, like why is it <laughs> like why is it so different? Like, why did they make the both platforms so different in like the tools and shit? Like, you guys could have kept some of the things kind of the same. You know what I mean? But it's like <laughs> it's a complete flip. Yeah. Like, it's not the same. I'm yeah. like, God damn it. To be honest, like the logo design is the hardest for me because, because like illustrator based things, uh, we, uh, we work closely with the print company when I first came, came online. One of our owners also owns a print company and it was a huge learning curve developing things for print. And I was lucky enough where I kept, well, not lucky, but I kept sending things in wrong. Right. And then one day they're like, Hey, look. Let me sit down with you and show you how to do this oh, proper, that's tight. properly. Like you got to send in this file type. You got to do this. This is the reason why you're doing this, right? Somebody actually sat down, showed me for a few hours and I was like, okay, change my whole strategy, change the way I'm building things. Because if you start, if you start wrong, it's hard for you to get, send in a finished product correctly. You know, you mm-hmm. can't build something in Photoshop and then just be like, okay, let me prepare this. Let me turn this into a logo on Illustrator. That's, mm-hmm. it's, you yeah. know, it's not, yeah, it's it not work. Yeah, it doesn't well, because Illustrator is vector, right? It's yeah. vector based. Yeah. You, what's vector based, Chuck? You know, uh, vector is it just doesn't lose quality. Like it's it's, it's scalable. Of, instead of pixels, it's like triangles. So I don't know really know what that means, but I know if you like zoom in really close, <laughs> it's it it reads a little bit better, and you it doesn't lose any resolution. So right? you can scale you can scale that image. Mm-hmm. So like the whole idea is if you can if you want your your logo that's a vector on a business card, mm-hmm. or you want it on a billboard, mm-hmm. it'll scale with that. Why can't Photoshop no. do it? No, <laughs> here's yeah here's my <laughs> that's question. What I'm always asking. Well, why isn't Photoshop vector based? Why why it, is it so different? It's a, it's a lot of retouching and like changing. So it's, it's like, it's like you bringing in it, like you, I mean, you deal with photography, right? It's mm-hmm. like you taking a photo, putting in an illustrator. Now try to manipulate that photo and can't, Photoshop. Yeah. Okay. So you're essentially saying there's two different applications for two different, two different purposes. Yeah. They serve different right. purposes. Right. And, and when you're, when you're new, you don't know where to draw that line. And that was really uh, hard for me. I was starting to develop things incorrectly um, for that. So do you, do you, uh, like, let's say you do like something with an image with graphics based in, so you like based in it, do you do the image clone stamping and all that and Photoshop. And then you like smart image it into 
illustrator and then you know do all the graphic parts and yeah all that. yeah it's so too much for me for packaging <laughs> for packaging it's it's rare that i use an actual image, image base yeah um i have i have a little bit of a different style type of um i mean i use a lot of different textures and like embossing and all that yeah. stuff like um just really having that connection with the print company oh, hold on real quick that damn dog is loose again here give me the remote you know how to change it? Uh, yeah, just these three buttons, right? In one, in two, in three. All right, cool. My bad. <laughs> yeah. you're, okay. you're good. Keep yeah, going. Yeah, so like for, for me, I, I don't really use a lot of images on, on packaging and things like that and mm-hmm. preparing for print. Um, and to me, I can export out as a, as a PDF and whether it's graphics or anything like that. So, um, but I've learned a lot, man. And so it's, it's a lot of trial and error and a lot of frustration. Yeah. It seems like a lot of work, man, to be honest. I'm glad I'm just, I just use Photoshop. Oh, oh, what's what's my angle? Here we go. For those who are just listening to the audio version only, here we go. And you are one. Oh, that's Chuck's angle. My bad. Boom. Got it. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm lucky that I only do Photoshop-based things because I don't have to deal with any of that. I don't worry about vector size. Like, my images are set file size. Yeah. And I I, I do, I work in Lightroom. Have you ever used Lightroom before? Mm-hmm. Lightroom, and then I round trip to Photoshop and then back, back yeah, and forth. I made myself have a baseline knowledge of every Adobe. Really? Or most of them. What, what, what do you think has been, so has Lightroom been the most challenging program for you to use? Uh, 3D rendering software. You use 3D? Like, like, like 3D Studio Max? uh cinema 4d okay yeah like once you touch like the 3d side of things yeah it's like you what, think you're frustrated been, off of other things what have you been working on in, in in the 3d space oh just a lot of like abstract messing around with just some different ideas and concepts mm-hmm. um what's what's pretty neat is the idea of using 3d objects to create like create actual products and manipulate those either even if for like a commercial or photos or anything like that i'm not i'm not near that yet but that's the idea um is building like a vape pen right in 3d software and then you can manipulate that actual vape pen and have it explode Damn. or do you know you can change all these different things it, yeah it becomes where you're not limited by by a camera and that finished product, right? You can actually right. manip- you could turn that vape pen into actual liquid and it fall, you know, like you can right. do all these cool different things. But uh, for me, it just started off by just messing around with just a lot of abstract and um, cool things. I have a lot of people on Instagram that I follow just that are like 3D based. and yeah. Like people and all them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're so amazing. I, I, w- I want to get into like a Cinema 4D and all that. I use Element 3D. Okay. And Blender because it's just, it's free. Yeah. Well, not Element 3D, but blender and it does really good it does a super good job in like manipulating like product stuff and all that and putting it on you get frustrated with it um yeah because it's it's a it's it's a new learning curve completely because i do after effects too and all that okay and that's once again that's a whole new learning curve as well i think that was the first time where i'm like okay i really need someone who knows what they're doing to just say hey david this is this is how to get to that step master because yeah I need, I, I need to, if I really want to get into that more, um, that I have to actually yeah, learn from it's, someone. It's crazy. That shit's so wild. Real quick, back on track to the whole brand, because we were talking about branding earlier. Yeah. Uh, what What are your thoughts on, on, on companies who are giving their brand pers- personality, right? Like you, you've seen like Wendy's on Twitter or things like that. Like, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think that's something that's, that every brand should do? Or do you think that's a very hey, wait, niche r- thing? Real quick before. Huh? There's like... That sun thing hitting your face right now. Oh, is it? Oh, snap. 
Hold on real quick. It's, it's all good. <laughs> For those who are listening to the audio only version, we usually record these episodes uh, at nighttime, but it is daytime right now. It is about what? Four in the afternoon, four thirty, five, 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 five thirty in the afternoon. And uh, the window here in our studio is leaking light into my face, which is fine. Um, is it that big of a deal? <laughs> is it? Should, should I move? Uh, if uh, I move, I'm out of frame. Technical difficulties. Good. <laughs> it just looks funny on the thing. All right. So 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 back to the question Sorry. is uh these brands who have these kind of like personalities, right? Um, and I'm sure there's more than there's just Wendy. Wendy's is just the last one that I think that I remember you know seeing online. They actually retweet people who talk like crap, mm-hmm. and they'll and they'll like be witty about it. You know what I mean? Like, what are your thoughts about something like that? Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's a really cool engagement tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any sort of like huge corporate companies that engage with people on the higher level like that mm-hmm. but is just interesting to people like it's funny right? Mm-hmm. right if someone's talking shit to wendy's saying hey your burgers suck this is whatever yeah and they have a clever response yeah they blow up and it's it's huge branding it's, sometimes free, it's free marketing because sometimes I, I i see like like wendy's roll somebody yeah and like oh at least at least we're not a baconator or something like that and like yeah. or, and i'm like Oh damn! Now I want now I want a Wendy's burger. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it kind of influences my decision a little bit yeah. more. Like, I think you gotta have someone really. First of all, I think you gotta be a bigger brand. Yeah. I think if you're a small brand and you're just roasting people, I yeah. think it like looks bad. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. If I'm if I'm sitting on my phone and every time someone says something bad about Plan Thirteen, I just start going off on them. I don't think it would be the same response yeah. as right, Wendy's. Right, right, right. Um, but I think because there's there's at such a massive level that they can actually have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you when you think about Wendy's and and then maybe it's just i i'm i think about this from a marketing side but i think of like um massive rooms of people on their on their computers just responding to people right yeah. i think it's just like it's like a, a social media farm right yeah. where they're just responding so for them to have personality and a voice is like oh damn i didn't expect mm-hmm. like we need to say something like that. I think that is special and unique. Because it adds a human touch to it. Yeah. It's not like all like, oh, come get our special today. And it's just like, oh, that's a robot body. Because everybody says, hey, like, oh, they're so big. Like, they don't care. Like, they don't care. They don't, they're not going to respond to little things Yeah, like I'm, I'm going to be honest. I hate being advertised to. I hate when it's like, oh, come to our place. We have this. Like, I'm not going. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think? are some are some some like good marketing tips for how to market your business without being coming off as too selly what do you think i think having a voice um it's it's something i think a lot of people have learned even when they're growing up and writing essays and papers right it's like actually talk who you are Mm -hmm. you know actually share people who who you are um and i think that's something important for a lot of these businesses is sometimes they they don't know how to be that and they they come off really corporate and too professional. I think industries matter for us. Like we like having fun, right? Um, right. For um, for any, we like doing like little clever lines, right? About certain things or responses here and there. Um, but we're also about being in a, the marijuana space and making marijuana fun. So it, it adheres to us. Um, when it comes from an advertising perspective, it's you always want to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, but stand out in a good way. And sometimes that's toeing the line um, a little bit tough. So I think every every situation is different. Um, but in my mind, it's always to do something unique and be clever. When, when something's clever, you never look at it like pissed off, right? You're never, like, you know, you don't like being advertised to, but if something's clever, you kind of respect it. You're like, okay. Yeah. You're like, if, okay. like I, If something funny. makes me laugh or something gives me an emotion. An emotion. Without it coming off as like, oh, come buy our thing because yeah. we have it. 
then that, I'm more likely to buy, you know. And that's huge right now is building emotions off people because right now you see people on their phone, on Instagram, and they're just scrolling, 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 seeing a picture and uh, scrolling, 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 right? But if you can actually have them stop on your photo, feel an emotion um, and engage with that with that photo or, or engage with win. their profile, it's a huge win. Um, and a lot of this stuff is, is still uncharted territory for, for some companies, but I think, um, gearing towards emotions and building those storylines are huge. Very true. Uh, let's talk marketing trends. Yeah. The, what, what are marketing trends that you've seen that you would, that you'd like to speak about? Oh, uh, from a visual side. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I, I always talk about Instagram's logo and like going to gradient and now like everything's <laughs> gradient. It's just mm -hmm. funny how it created a trend. Um, but I think you're seeing a lot of 3d in the space. Um, you're seeing a lot of, um, um, brands that are really focused on a multitude of things. So you see, um, bigger corporations or companies have a portfolio of brands that cater to all different sorts of markets. Right. So it's like when you go buy a soda or when you buy any type of product, and you look at that label, then you realize, okay, this one company owns these 30 companies. Yeah. And I think that's becoming a trend is not to have one brand have 30,000 product. It's to have a, a multiple brands carry different products. Um, and I think that's something new in the marijuana space as well is, is people developing like a gummy line. They're not going to all of a sudden have a flower line, right? Or, mm -hmm. or a concentrate line they're going to stay with that niche product. And I think that's something new in the mar in the marketing side for cannabis that that's really being tested right now. So you feel like uh, they should focus on one product or do you feel they should start going out to different types of products? I think they should have an area of focus. Yeah, I don't I think when you for for con, for marijuana products, um, if you're popular as a as a beverage, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to name drop any names. You shouldn't be going into flour, right? You shouldn't be saying, Hey, this is this brand in cannabis flower. You know, I think you should focus on that specific mm -hmm. product line, but you could technically create a whole nother product and name it something else that focused through a different type of company. Or are you just literally saying like, just go hundred percent on your product? No. Yeah. I think, I think you it. should have different, different brands for different product focuses. You can yeah. still own all of them, but just yeah, yeah. market differently. Kind of like Coca-Cola. Yeah. Don't they all own like, the conglomerate, like the yeah. potato chips, like Dasani, they oh, own, yeah, they own yeah. Dasani. Water. You're not going to see Coca-Cola water, yeah, yeah. Right? or Coca-Cola chips. Yeah. Got it, got it. That's yeah. what you mean. And I think, I think there's just so many brands launching out on the on the marijuana side of things. Everybody wants to be that one staple brand, um, and so what they're doing is they're trying to double down on their brand. And I, I just I share a different vision. I share a, a, each brand should have their own product focus, and I think that's that's going to be a huge trend coming in the on the marijuana side of things. Um, and I think um, gearing towards a recreational focus of normalizing cannabis, I think won't go away anytime soon as a trend. Mm -hmm. um, everyday people, even soccer mom to um, to someone who is um, a couch potato to someone, you know, all these different sorts of lives. Right. Everybody consumes cannabis. A lot of people do. Um, and it's it's a normal thing. So it's OK to to feel normal about it. So you see, you mentioned olive oil earlier, right? Yeah. People are making pizzas with olive oil that, that is infused people. Are, now there's cannabis infused beer. So people are in their backyard 
grilling up steaks, drinking cannabis infused beer. People are hanging out instead of just gummy bears. You know, it's, it's evolved a lot. Right. And a lot of that involve, um, evolution is, is tied to, um, lifestyle association. So do, do, do you think that's a, a way to normalize the cannabis industry as well? You know, so that way it doesn't feel like, Oh, it's just, Oh, you're, you're smoking weed. You know what I mean? Like as, as opposed to looking at that way, you're looking at it as like, Oh, you're just, you're drinking a beer. That's C, that's either CBD infused or THC infused. You know what I mean? Um, you, you think that's a way that we get the average, the public to kind of change their perspective on the industry. Yeah. I think that creates the wave. I also think consumption lounges, we talked about a little bit earlier Yeah, is when you get in, when you get Las Vegas, right. Adopting a huge consumption lounge or multiple consumption lounge uh-huh. lounges where in the future people can go and, and consume and hang out and have fun and do all those things. It's like, okay, in Las Vegas, they're doing it. Why can't we do it in our city? Right. Why can't we do it in California? Kind of like the way a hookah lounge works, right? Yeah. It's a it's a social gathering place where people can just go and, and, and you know, partake in whatever, you know, yeah. either hookah or THC. Because right now, a lot of people are consuming, well, you have to consume in a private residence right now. So people are going to buy product, going home, smoking in their house. And it's, it's kind of like the grungy right. aspect because you can only do it in your home. Right. right. You can only smoke or take an edible technically it's, in it's, your home. It's those baby steps of like, okay, it's legal now, but it's like, okay, well now you can only do it in your room. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, you can't do it in your living room. And then the, the next thing is like, well, now you're home yeah. or now, now, now you're in your County. You know what I mean? So it, it's definitely those baby steps that, you know, are going to help. And I think it's strategically preparing yourself for all this stuff. I mean, I, I don't think it's a question if I think it's a question when, um, and I, and I think it's going to happen very, very soon. I can't wait. Because it's going to be exciting what everybody does, especially you guys. I want, I want to see what you guys do. Yeah. What is it, a weed nightclub? <laughs> yeah. That'd be crazy. A lot of different ideas flowing around. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a huge competitive advantage for you to be able to offer marijuana at a, at a club or a lounge of any sort. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how it changes the game. But I guess we're right. on board. <laughs> in the yeah. future like a, pool <laughs> a weed pool yeah we talked about a possible splash pool out there that'd and, be sick yeah. yeah I mean our location is is I mean it's really you next to the heart anything. of the strip yeah. so if you we're, we're overlooked by by tens of thousands of hotel rooms so people people tell me all the time I laugh about it is they look outside their hotel room they see a big glowing red <laughs> planet cool. with mist coming out out front and they're like what the hell is this place? What is right. it? And they're go- the thing they're telling me a hey, gold red, red ball, mist ball, right? They don't know like they're like what the hell is this? And they right. go they they almost are drawn towards it. They get they leave, they walk down, they go walk towards the place. And like oh, it's a marijuana store. Like yeah. you know, it's so, it's we wanted something we wanted something that had a staple um, out front of our property. You know where people take photos in front of people share, and, yep. and that's a huge part of our our business is is shareable moments. Um, mm. People people take selfies walking on the LED interactive floor. Right. I mean, just the other day someone was dancing on it, filmed like a whole routine dancing on it, and like Damn. well, like you said in the beginning of this podcast, it's about the user experience, right? Yeah, and how you make those people feel, and through that experience, I think you build brand loyalty and kind of like that that you know because when you share a connection with a brand you don't necessarily think about oh like well okay well what's the price on it and eh, well this place is a little bit cheaper let's go there you're more concerned about like oh do i care about this brand and that kind of influences your decisions right yeah and it, and we're not going to just when we say like hey we'll have a coffee shop i mean of course it'll be non-marijuana consumption but we're not going to just build a normal corner coffee shop i mean it's going to be a 
a badass coffee yeah, shop yeah. you know unique yeah. it's gonna be Brews. a cool concept yeah. so mm-hmm. we're gonna ha- it's a it's almost a greenhouse concept so um <sighs> i mean it definitely goes along the lines of 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 a cultivation or a right. marijuana facility um but really upscale really elegant um talking about doing some different prints on top of like lattes and, mm-hmm. you, and you see all that stuff right yeah, yeah. right the new trends and the new waves so what's unique about us is we're, we're hitting so many different markets and so many different industries uh, with coffee shop, restaurant, event space. I mean, people are already hitting us up about weddings and corporate events and doing all this Damn. stuff. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's getting pretty crazy. It's getting nuts. So something that me and Chuck always talk about is, is the old school versus the new school. Um, for example like you know a filmmaker right like what did it what did it take to be a filmmaker back in the day maybe you didn't necessarily need need to even own a camera maybe you were just the director and you just had to have that that visual mindset right but nowadays you we live in 2019 where if you want to be a a a, a filmmaker you you need to be you need to own your camera you need to shoot your own videos you need to storyboard them you need to be able to edit them because sometimes you're a one-man crew you need to be able to 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 do visual effects because you know now movies movies aren't necessarily just film maybe now it's they add visual effects to it what do you think are some what do you think is should be in the skill set bag of somebody who's trying to be a creative director or mark our marketer in 2019 like what do you think are some essential skills that they should have in the tool bag yeah i think i think it's a great question i think you need to first of all be business savvy so you see a lot of creators not understand that the structure of a business and how to run a business properly mm-hmm. and i think that's a huge fault for creators in general um, a lot of people who are inventors and creators of, of that are extremely talented don't know how to transition that into profit um, first of all i think that mastering the two sides of creativity and business is is a challenge but it's something that you need to you need to try to develop to get better at. Um, but I think the ability to be able to not only speak your thoughts, um, but, um, visualize your thoughts and put that onto paper or put that onto the screen is really important. So if you're trying to pitch an idea or you have a, an idea of something to change, I think it's really important for you to be able to change that and show them, say, Hey, something like this, you don't have to master it. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can have someone that can perfect that for you, mm-hmm. but you need to be able to translate that that somehow from your and a lot of people don't know how to have a creative thought and put that onto um in a physical way um and i also think it's important for you to want to um develop that brand further so i think from as a creator there's one there, there's there's one way to create a brand right and then there's another way to build the brand and that's through evolving and evolution understanding trends understanding what's next and and being involved. And so um, I think when you understand the business side of things, you understand what's next and all that stuff, then you can really master that craft because you're focused on how to build it and how to grow it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll even go, I'll even add a little bit more to that because um, it kind of goes into every field, not even just marketing, but also like being a photographer, being, a, you know, an artist, communication. You need to learn how the art of communicating your vision to other people, because if you don't know how to communicate what's in your head, it doesn't matter how great an idea it is. If you can't get other people to see it, then it's not going anywhere because it takes more than just yourself to create a brand. You know, like it, it's it, it's it's more than a one man, a one person band yeah right you can never do everything on your own you have to work with other people and the number one thing to working with other people is communication mm-hmm. yeah and understand how to delegate too so as you become a graphic designer and you're a really good designer 
when you become an art director and you oversee a group of designers, how do you delegate those crafts or how do you delegate Hey, how do you communicate? How do you do all those different things? Because for a lot of, for a lot of people that, that growth is new. And so they're used to just saying, Hey, I want to develop a logo that, that looks like this or whatever. And they mm-hmm. go and develop it, but they don't know how to tell someone to develop it or give them proper direction. Right. And also get, get, getting whoever you're delegating to, to feel as passionate as you are. Yeah. Right. It's a whole, it's a whole like, you know, it's a learning game. Yeah. Man. It's a learning game. It turns into almost leadership. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of qualities that you have to encompass, encompass to really lead a team. Yeah. Um, and to lead creatives, it's, it's a, it's a whole different monster. You, I mean, I'm sure you guys see it all the time. It's, I mean, you have a podcast del- um, designated for creatives mm-hmm. and you see all these different personality types. Oh, you yeah. put them in one room and then you try to get them unified under, under one goal sometimes really challenging yeah well and i think the reason that is is because especially in the creative field it everything's very personal right if you if you have an idea for something and somebody wants to change it a little bit then it's no longer your idea then you're not as passionate about it then they're infringing on your territory so it's definitely an art an art form to be able to be a creative and also be in the in in business right yeah. you have to le- understand that that your idea that you, unless unless you're trying to be like the next picasso and do everything on your own and nobody's opinion matters and you're if you're working with a team you need to understand that that you guys have you guys have to be on the same page as far as what, what your end goal is and that everybody's opinion matters right yeah and i don't think you can ever compete if you're one person i don't care how talented you are you can't compete against a team of creative yeah i just i just don't think it's possible and that was really hard for me for me to learn that in the beginning because i would spend hundreds of hours on this on the on a brand or on a logo and all these different things i'd wait really eagerly to to hear i mean is this is this good do you like it do you don't Mm -hmm. and then you start changing it and it's like it's so easy for them to say eh change that change this and it's and i'm seeing like my life flash before my eyes like (laughs) like, i spent so much time on this and it's just one little change but you know those fresh eyes and seeing somebody from a new perspective and some of those things i've learned to really embrace that Mm -hmm. uh, because once you stare at something for so long you end up you're you put too much emotion into it sometimes mm-hmm. and it's important for you to draw a line and, and tr- have people around you that you can trust that can actually look at that finished product and say, you know what? Like, I know you're going for this, but I would tweak this right See, here. Yeah, that's the thing that. right there. What you said that you trust. <laughs> yeah. Cause when you have somebody who kind of just comes in with no constructive criticism and doesn't really have like, okay, why should it be changed? And this, this is why it should be changed. Cause I feel it dictate this emotion, you know, yeah. instead of just being like, Oh yeah, you should make it pop more. I hate that. Yeah, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and, and and a lot of, and some people don't even know how to communicate that, right? Like they yeah. just say, hey, and it just doesn't wow me, or like they say, uh, you need to tell a story. Like, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? So what should I change? You know, yeah. and, and and sometimes those pe- people don't have those answers, and it's now it's your job to say, okay, yeah, they their reaction to it was almost of a letdown. How do I make this? Yeah. wow them again which is so, like a little challenge it's like putting the yeah. game on hard it drives like, me right, and it, it makes me obsessive and yeah. it drives me crazy but it it, it I, i've learned to channel it to to make me better yeah. and that's when it's also as a creative you know if somebody gives you direction of like oh well i don't like it let's change that if you can communicate why you made the decisions that you made and yep. why you made it that way 
maybe you can get them to see your point of view and kind of, you know, get them to under, understand that perspective as opposed to like, because if you're a creative and you're okay with, oh, well, you know, whatever, I'll just change it. I'll just change it. I'll, but if you can defend why you made those, cha- why you made it the way it was, you know, it, it, it also, it helps them a lot more, you yeah. know, because you're also educating your client or educating yeah, they're, 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 they're getting educated. Yeah, exactly. Kind of I think you should always defend your work, but there's a point where where if, if if it's your client or someone who really matters yeah and you almost get in the convincing phase yeah you messed up yeah and you so have it's to like, learn, you have to defend your actions but don't sound defensive yeah because right? if you asked me to make a logo for you right, right. just as an example and you're like eh, maybe you should change this and i try to tell you well i did try that but this is why i did it the other way and, yeah, and, exactly. and, and you're still not feeling it then the day like the product's also for you right and so you it has to wow you it, you have to really be comfortable with it so if i get really if i get really defensive or say mm-hmm. and try to keep convincing keep convincing you it doesn't do any good right at the end of the day you don't get more you don't you don't get happier from that right. from that result so um sometimes i mean creatives don't know how to swallow their pride sometimes and drop I have that ego time, but <laughs> you got it yeah you got it it's tough sometimes because sometimes i'm like okay we can try it but i'm telling you it's gonna look like <laughs> shit but yeah. i'll do it and then we change it and then they're like oh yeah change it back and, <laughs> so i, like, I, I kind of love that though yeah i'm like I kinda, well, now you trust me more hopefully after that yeah but some some don't some I, I will say there's like one thing i've learned as a like uh, as a videographer and photographer is when you're working with clients sometimes they'll give you a thing where you're there like i wanted to do this and that and it's like you and your head as a creative you're overthinking it you're like well then i gotta do this i gotta do that i got you know you're you're putting a thousand steps ahead of you when maybe all they all they're really asking you is to move it a little bit to the left that's it, that's <laughs> yeah. it. you know but you're overthinking yeah. like well no i gotta rebalance this whole thing like so we as artists always tend to overthink things you know when sometimes that client thinks very very simply yeah and i uh i was lucky enough where my, my dad owned a um owned a small business. So I learned almost the business side of things, how to run and operate a business. What right. does it take to be like a small business owner um, first? And then got interested in the creatives um, while I was going to school. And so I was almost like a business minded first. Oh, that's, and so that's good. it helped, it helped transition me a little bit better, I think, in, in understanding like the end goal, like is the end goal is to, whether it's a, a brand or a logo, whatever it is, is to create a really good finished product and make a successful launch and you know like you know it's mm-hmm. and so um it's all it's always roots back to like okay is this going to be profitable this is going right. to bring in revenue is this whatever and i and i've i'm really good at thinking it from that perspective and i think that's a little bit more unique because a lot of creatives become um really talented in their creativity and design and doing that stuff and then they get into business later later in life and then that wall's just is shut yeah yeah and like, like Keem said at the beginning, a lot of people don't have that business side and it does a lot of good talent is just chilling out there, probably at home, yeah. working a regular job, you know? So I, I, anybody who's listening, like learn the business side, like you don't have to become a fucking scientist on it and like go yeah. deep into it, but just learn the basics yeah. because it'll push you forward. Very yeah. Learn how to send an invoice, damn it. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. People don't though. People don't know how. Yeah. Yeah, no, man. There's a lot of creatives who don't Some understand. Some people don't even know how to pay taxes. Yeah. Taxes, they don't understand. I can't lie. I, I learned a lot of that in the past like five years. Like, remember when we were, we were trying to remember when we were first figuring out like what's an LLC, yeah. what's a EIN, like, like what, bro, what like, the hell? I just finally in the past two years learned how to like, oh, I have a business. I can write stuff off. Oh, this is how you can like save yourself from ten ninety nines fucking you you know, with those big taxes, yeah. cause you have to pay your taxes and it's like, Oh shit. Like you can, you can do your miles. 
you could do but nobody tell, tells you this yeah no schools don't tell you this unless you have a family member or somebody in society who ho- hopefully tells you that that's you're you're, you're good because like that's the one thing i always tell them that's why i hate on facebook how people rant and shit i just wish somebody would have been like have you heard of a roth ira or a cd yeah. ladder because i would have loved to know that you know and i know homies who have it they're like oh yeah i've already been doing that i'm like damn i wish 100 uh, let no- me know knowledge is power man mm-hmm. i never understood that growing up as a kid when people said knowledge is power like oh so i just gotta read books and <laughs> like I-, I didn't understand what we meant by read books because like they would always say like oh if you read a lot you'll be you know it'll you'll be more successful but i'm like well if i read Harry Potter. Harry Potter. That's what I thought. It's not going to do you any good, right? But you have to. What they what they meant is 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 not when knowledge when they say knowledge is power is when you learn things that are not taught to you in school, like doing your taxes, finding loopholes for uh, starting your business, or like you know, like how you were saying how you were, how you could do things that are that, that bring you back money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Those things help you, you know. And and a lot of people that are creatives they don't learn those things because it's not taught in school, and and the roadblocks, right? Yeah. They stop them from doing it. And, and I think for me, I always had a strategy in school and I didn't know if it was yeah. the right strategy, but I, I would always, I always knew I knew the information, right. And I wasn't diehard. I wasn't spent, I wasn't going 110% on school all the time, but I was going 110% on things that I loved, like things that I was passionate about. Right. And so I would go to school. I mean, once, once we started going into topics that I wasn't that interested, I would tune out and start focusing on things that I love. And I was, it, it would, I mean, it, it almost held me back to a certain point, went to college, learned how to hone that in. And, uh, and now it's turned out really successful for me because I spent so much of my free time focusing on things that I really mm-hmm. actually enjoyed and loved. And that's what I'm doing now. Right. And so I think what's hard for people is when they spend so much of their time, just going to school, going to school, going to school, and it's not things that they really love doing. And so when they're done, it's like, okay, now what do I really enjoy doing? Yeah. And then they haven't been doing that at all. You know, they haven't spent the hours it takes to be, to make that your craft. Um, and so I think for anyone listening, it's just, I just feel like it's hugely important for you to, to just try things, figure out yeah, what you like, find what you love and, and just focus on that. Yeah. Something that I was told that we always talk about is, a. Uh, you know, if you had a billion dollars in the bank right now, all jokes aside, like if you had a billion dollars and you no longer needed to worry about money, what would you be doing right now? Yeah. You know, or what what would you do that you wouldn't be like, oh, well, if money was right. You know, what would you to have fun? Yeah. To, what would you have fun? Not doing? traveling. Not. Yeah. Ma- oh, maybe though. I can't say that because maybe yeah. somebody loves traveling. Yeah. And I don't know. Or maybe you just like to talk about Star Wars. Or like, be a maybe, teacher. Maybe that's your thing. You know, yeah. find out how you can make money that because you can make money any in any way, especially now. You know, I mean, we're looking at YouTubers who are who create little review channels, right, where they a movie comes out and then they give their thoughts on it and they've got five million subscribers and that's how they generate their money. Yeah. There's or they always, buy random products on Amazon and just yeah, just see, try them, just try them. Right. Like, eh, this is stupid because of this reason. And they, yep. blow, you know, like any I, I mean you're exactly right i feel like anything can become profitable i think there are some dumb paths that people can take though uh, but i think it's it's also hey man I, I won't even say that because think about it, there was a pet rock in the what, 80s 90s yeah it's just crazy it's the stupidest idea but it made so much money yeah you know so there's always a, there's always a way to make money for sure yeah uh but get back on track real quick to planet 13 <laughs> uh i gotta ask the, i don't know if you know how, how did that company come up with that name planet 13 and what, what's the yeah. meaning behind it so we uh i don't know if you've ever seen the medicine logo so talked a little bit about medicine in the past but that's that's our premium in-house brand um that 
that brand was a dispenser before and that's mm-hmm. kind of what what started our so real uh, quick it's gone now no it's a branded product now okay mm-hmm. so the dispensary yeah. itself it isn't is no longer there okay. it's just a brand um so when we when we had that dispensary we experienced a lot of people going up there and saying oh this is medical only right it's medicine it's medical only like no we're recreational <laughs> anybody can buy and oh okay i didn't know that i was going to go to another location i was gonna, you know Damn. people people didn't connect the dots that right. hey we were medical before and we have a medical focus but uh we're we're it's still also a recreational brand so that, that that didn't connect the dots so for us when when things were recreational uh we we wanted to 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 remedy that by creating a recreational brand if you ever look at the medicine logo it's an m with a line underneath um as you tilt it to the side, it turns into a 13. Um, and that, and that was done on purpose. There's a significance for that. Our, our, uh, one of our co-CEOs, Larry, when he was growing up, 13 is the, um, well, M is the 13th letter of the alphabet. Um, uh, people, um, back in his heyday would, would wear patches or, or put the a logo M on the, on their back of their car, just end of it basically saying that they smoked marijuana that it was oh wow yeah an indication that they were users or, or That's they loved marijuana right and so it's the letter m or the 13 they would they would represent and so we wanted the m and 13 to kind of coincide um, with the future brand and we had huge dreams and aspirations for for us to be the biggest on planet earth or biggest on the mm-hmm. planet and so then we transitioned to planet 13 and, well, you uh, guys have the square footage to be your own planet, pretty much. I know. <laughs> it feels like a planet when you're on Yeah, there. yeah. I, I still got to go check it out, man, because it looks like a, especially when, when you told me it was based around user experience or kind of like customer experience, makes me want to go even more, you know? Yeah. Maybe not necessarily to buy any products or whatever, but just check it out, you know? And I think people should. People should go to just check it out because even if they're not into smoking weed or, or anything like that, it, people should always be curious about things, right? Yeah. And, and, and you said experience something new. And the concept is really cool and unique, and I think it's 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 something that we're looking to add to, and that's why we went with phase two, and we'll have enough room to do a phase three, and that's kind of the excitement, and we're we're going to continue to try to build that property up, um, and also expand to other locations and other states, and mm-hmm. uh, really grow this brand beyond borders. So, outside of just growing the business, what what are some short term versus long term goals that Planet Thirteen has for the yeah. future? Yeah, I think short term, um, short term right now is phase phase two. Yep. Um, we're uh, really focused also on our on our branded products um, and and refining those. Um, and then long term, I mean, I know you said besides those, it's really expanding our our, our company. Mm-hmm. So it's it's building multiple retail locations and building those locations in a in a larger dispensary setting but something that's gauged around experience Mm -hmm. and i think um the tech side of things is what we we really love uh we just love the idea of um robotics and dispensaries and all these all this cool kind of things and i think with uh with some of our from some of our tech um will always stand out even if it is a smaller location Mm -hmm. Um, but for, for us, it's, we're in such uncharted territory that, uh, we're seeing brands being really powerful. Um, retail also is really powerful cause you can c- kind of control the price in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody is really the staple brand yet. So when you think of a chocolate bar in some of these States or cities, Hershey's. yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, one. yeah, right. One, right. But you, you can name a bunch of 
regular chocolate bars at a gas station. You can't do that with marijuana yet. Right. 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 And so, um, my personal goal is, is to develop product lines that, that are those names that you say right off the cusp like that. Oh, As you get can, it, it. Yeah. You can name drop instantly. And that's one of our brands. Right. So when you say, Oh, what's a cool dispensary plant 13, what's a good chocolate bar X brand, you know, this brand, or what's a good vape, this brand, you know, like yeah. you can name drop that. Be instantly. the staple of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, that's a staple. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this too, is one of the things that I personally like in a brand is when you don't necessarily associate it with whatever it, it sells. Right. So you're not like, you guys aren't like a, uh, uh, marijuana dispensary.com. You're not like that. That's not what your brand is. Your brand is planet 13. It could be anything. When you think of, of Nike, you think you don't think of, there's no shoe that's a Nike. It's, it's that it's a Nike is a brand, right? Yeah. The shoes just what they sell, but they can do shirts. They can do all these different things. That's one of the biggest things that I thought about when we were creating this podcast. The morning dinner, you wouldn't necessarily think it's a podcast, right? And it's not brand. It's, it's flexible. It's flexible. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. That is one of the things that I really like about Planet Thirteen. And and with our brand on the retail space is we can, we can still have some, some resonance in, in the, in the tech experience. Right. But there's so much, I mean, we got our orb show from Germany. We got the floor from, from the UK. We got all these different, all these different installations from all over the world, Mm -hmm. but you don't think just one thing, right. When you think of plant 13, you don't think just laser spray cans, right. You think of the idea, the idea of what, what it encompasses. And so I think that's really important too, as we expand is that idea remains constant and um the the installations within no i definitely love it because it's it's what you want it's like a gimmick you know what i mean if that i don't know if that's a bad word but i like that word just due to the fact that like you know you go to that one milkshake spot that makes those milkshakes that stand like you're gonna go check it out because you're just like what the fuck like i have to see this yeah you know but you're gonna take photos of it and everything and it's an experience that you'll never get and a lot of people want that as well you know it's exclusivity we uh one of our co-CEOs always says this is we want to out Vegas, Vegas. Right. And so we wanted to create a Vegas attraction that you can't go to Vegas without coming to plant 13. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, you almost didn't succeed in your trip. Right. And the best thing is when I see people comment, um, like we just had like a Buzzfeed feature and, and, and Forbes and all these other things. Right. And I always, I just go to the comments because I'm interested. It's like, Oh, they tag their friend and say, I can't believe we didn't go there when we were in town last next week. Time, like man. we got to go there next, next month when we go back in town, I can't like, they're like mad that they didn't go there. Like they didn't, they didn't you know, make the time for it. And that's so that rewarding. You, now, now that you mentioned that there's one other place that I think about when I think about Vegas, you, you ever seen the, have you ever seen the show Pawn Stars? Mm-hmm. There's, I have a lot of family that visits Vegas and they go, can we go to that place? That's, you know, that where they do the pawn, sh- you know, it's not necessarily because they want to buy or sell anything. You ever been there? Yeah. I, I I have yeah I haven't been. It's it's not super impressive. It's like a small it's little a place. Pawn, <laughs> it's a pawn place. It's a pawn store like exactly. Pawn but place. but the fact that it's on television mm-hmm. makes it somewhere that people want to go because yeah. you know they want to see Rick or the, or you know there's lines there's lines oh, out yeah. the door still. Oh yeah. bro, like every time yeah. I pass by and I'm like y'all are. Oh. They converted yeah. half the space into like clothing and merchandise. That's so dope. Inside? Yeah. Or are you talking so, about the container part? No, inside oh. half of it is like actually things that you can buy like, like that are pawned out, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other half is like t-shirts and a, a thing where you can take a photo in front of and you have to pay five bucks to get your photo taken. Like it, it, it transformed, but still people are lining up around the door because at the end of the day, their, their marketing efforts in that show, it, 
has created immense success for them. Right. Dude, uh, what are what are some marketing things that you think you could do for Planet 13 to increase that type, in, a type of engagement or, or kind of incentivize that outside of Las Vegas, right? Because, I mean, I don't know if there's a way to do that because there, yeah. there, it, it, I guess marijuana still is illegal federally. You can't really have a TV show that's, you know, marketed everywhere in the U.S. HBO. on TV. Right. I don't know. I'm thinking like, what if you guys had a podcast? What if you guys had a show on YouTube or something like that, where it would be, we, you know, we, uh, we, we've done a pretty good job again, a lot of coverage for publications. So uh, a lot of the massive publications have featured us and Mm -hmm. we're really thankful of that. Uh, But I think that's a huge um, component of branch branching out um, is is some of those publications and getting featured in some of those articles um, that talk about destination type um, conversations. Yeah, like so 10 best dispensaries what to that. do it yeah what to do in Las Vegas when you come you know as us being featured with seeing the blood show fountains it's like pretty cool yeah right we're on that list you know and when people talk about um, I mean just the other day we got featured on the the BuzzFeed article and there's already um, over a million um, views on that, right. you know, and some of that stuff you, you can't put a price tag on. Right. And it, it's about really just telling our story and PR pitching constantly, um, to let people know because there's so many millions of people that don't know what plant 13 is. And that's what I try to hit every time. And just advertising doesn't necessarily do that. Right. That doesn't right. make you successful. Um, but allowing some of these publications to understand your story and where you're coming from and where you're going um, has been a huge part of our success. So to say that we have um, a pizzeria and restaurant going into our facility from an award-winning pizza chef who already runs a successful operation in Arizona, who's doing this, right? Damn, so I want pizza right now. Yeah. See, it's working. <laughs> so you can buy, you could buy a joint and buy a slice, right? Right, like, right. That concept is mind blowing to, right. to certain certain people and certain reporters, and they just want to do a full story on just that, right? And so, right. always finding that strategy and PR pitching has been huge for us. Right. I think you guys are on a on a dope track. You guys are doing a lot for the amount of time that you guys have been open. Yeah, killing it. And I really do look forward to everything you guys have going on. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about yeah, all this stuff. You, you really yeah. educated us on, on a lot of different things. And I think people are going to take away a lot of stuff from this thank episode, man. Um, real quick, do you want to let people know before we wrap up uh, where people can find you? Because we got to actually head out pretty soon. It's already, I think we're at the two-hour mark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Low key. Good uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you, find more information on Planet 13 or even your personal social media stuff? Yeah. You can uh, learn more about Planet 13 at planet13lasvegas.com um, on Instagram at shopplanet13. Um, you can also find my Instagram at David Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S. Fantastic, man. There you go, man. Thank you for joining us, bro. Yeah, uh, we'll put all your social media down in the description, too, for the video uh, and the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you guys at the next morning dinner. Later, y'all. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. In the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry.